today on CityCast Salt Lake. This week in our city brought a variety of different housing and development proposals to the table and to the public discourse. Local news enthusiast and former county council member Shireen Gorbani is here to help me make sense of it all. And later in the show, I call up Elizabeth Totterer. She's a school teacher who wrote a letter to the Salt Lake Tribune this week about why she's leaving Salt Lake. I'll give you a hint. It has to do with housing. It's Friday, May 20th, 2022. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Shireen, welcome to CityCast Salt Lake. Oh my god. Thanks for being here. Welcome back. I'm so excited to be back. You know, this time I'm probably not going to talk about abortion, but it's still on my mind. It could still come up. It's a pretty intersectional issue. That's right. This week, the thing that's major on my mind and that's sort of going to be the theme of our conversation is that it's lease signing week for a lot of people in our city. Uh, Everyone's renewing at the top of the summer, and we just got this national headline that's so enraging that Salt Lake City is the third largest rent increase in the nation. And like seeing things like that is just like validating of the intensity of the experience of housing in this city right now. But other than that, I don't feel like it does much right other than validate the story we already know is like the only story in so many ways right now in Salt Lake which is finding a place to live yeah that's right and I I think that there are so many pieces that come together around this conversation when Mm. we're thinking about the stress around inflation when we think about the fact that we do not have enough homes on the market here in this environment to meet the demand that we are struggling um, in rentals as well, right? Mm -hmm. This is a stressful and complicated time. And Mm -hmm. I was just speaking with somebody at the um, Chem Gardner Policy Institute, um, and their lead housing person is saying that what is happening with housing here is really fundamental, a, a fundamental piece of um, a risk that we have when we think hmm. about the economic growth and sort of the future in Utah in in Salt Lake County. The fact right. that we need to see action on this issue. Yeah. Well, and it seems like most of us, maybe 99.9% of us can agree that what we need is to get more housing into the city and we need to get more of basically almost every kind of housing is like what you hear across the board. But the question has really become how to do it and how do we do it without displacing people who are currently in single family homes, specifically on the West side. And how do we do it in denser parts of the city? Um, One of the things that was a hot topic this week is that the city made a bit of an attempt. They sent a proposal down to the planning commission that it was an affordable housing overlay, which has also been characterized as upzoning. And do you mind just breaking down like what it was and sort of who's into it and who's not into it? Yeah, so I think that we should consider this uh, the start of what I believe will be sort of liberal on liberal violence. There is going to be a lot of (laughs) fighting. And unfortunately, I think it's going to come from every direction. So Hmm. what's interesting about this overlay or what they're proposing is that it would be citywide. So really looking across the entire city and Mm -hmm. making sure that people and what I hope is a core part of this is that people are equitably (laughs) shouldering the burden of infilling and Mm -hmm. increasing housing across the entire geography of the city, right? So it's not just in one neighborhood or another, but it's really looking at it comprehensively. And I think that's the way to go. There's Mm -hmm. also this kind of question of, you know, what can be charged and and how we're defining affordability in this context. And there's a lot to dig into there. But I think what most people 
Um, here, you know, typically is that affordable housing is considered, well, there's a whole range of different kinds of affordable housing, but the average person cannot find there is not a county left in this country mm-hmm. where people can find an affordable place to rent. And Salt Lake, as you mentioned, is a place where that number is quickly outpacing the the cost of rent is quickly outpacing the, you know, salaries that people are earning. Yeah. And it seemed like there was a lot of conflict at the planning commission meeting because opinions range from the not in my backyard folks who don't want to see more density, period. The yes, in my backyard folks who think that this is, I think, a start. And then some more progressive organizations like Wasatch Tenants United, whose representatives were like, we just feel like fundamentally this is a proposal that relies on the idea that developers will do the right thing. And we have no reason to believe that's the case. Well, they're and right. And they're right. <laughs> and we need housing, right? So yeah. so all of these pieces are uh, it is incredibly complex and there will be uh very I don't think there will be a person who is happy when this, mm-hmm. you know, when this process is over, but what I hope people can understand, I mean, if you're a long-time listener, you know I have some trauma from a, from approving housing, but mm-hmm. you know, I live in one of the densest neighborhoods in this county. Um, mm-hmm. I'm in the lower abs. I absolutely love it. I hope that people will embrace this idea and understand that there's something quite charming about living, you know, close to my neighbors, having yeah. a diversity of housing, single family, along with mm-hmm. um, well, I live on the street with a hostel, but also the um, you know, apartments around me. And mm-hmm. this is we're gonna have to I'm like if we need if we're gonna meet the demands, we're gonna have to live like this. And I have to yeah. say it's 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 a delight. Yeah. I live in a condo in the lower avenues and for reasons that we know, there are very few of them. And I don't think my building, my building was built in the 80s. I don't think it could get built today without a hell of a pushback from the lower abs community. So, I mean, we need to do better at just like getting excited about having more neighbors in general in this city. But one of the things I do want to mention is I did look up the fair market rents in Salt Lake because I hadn't looked at them in a while. And The 2022 numbers for Salt Lake City are quite shocking to me, given what, I don't know, my friends actually make in this city wage-wise. So right now, our city median family income is a little under $93,000 a year, which feels so high. And when we talk about this particular affordable housing overlay proposal that's with the commission, one of the things that everyone across the board, it seemed, could agree on is that the proposal that new affordable housing be at 80% of the city's median income is just like not attained. Like that just like doesn't square with what, where people are at. That would put it at $75,000, which like, even if you are working in like the, the nonprofit sector, say like, I mean, I've worked for EDs that like don't make that right. So right now the fair market rent for an efficiency in Salt Lake is $924. So that's like studio apartment or smaller. A one bedroom is over a thousand dollars. It's at eleven twelve. These numbers are just high, high, high. Like this is simply not. This does not square with what people are actually making in this city, and frankly, in this state where our state leaders were like, "Raise the minimum wage. Why do it? Let's be one of twenty six states to not do that this year." Yeah, and also take away uh, cities' abilities to do it at all either. That I mean, I think that is like. I feel like that is really the th- the most important sort of takeaway from this conversation, especially to your point about like 
the the amount of infighting that's happening in our city right now around this issue is like let's not forget that state law prohibits rent control and like the utah legislature is made up of many landlords they love to espouse local control while writing laws that prohibit it and at the end of the day something like rent control could i know i'm preaching to the choir you are singing my favorite song keep going i know the chorus rent control is where we need to get right and like we simply have our hands tied behind our backs by this legislature Mm -hmm. which is an interim session right now so reading their emails if you're listening to this yeah let them know what you think (laughs) right okay let's move into some good um zoning news which is a report from building salt lake that accessory dwelling units adus could become easier to build in the city before we get into that. Can I ask you to guess how many accessory dwelling units we had in Salt Lake City in 2021 that had gone through the propo- the process to like get vetted as an ADU? Okay, just because it you said 2021, I'm going to say 21. Oh, okay, that's a good one. 34. That yeah, feels so low to me. It's very low. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a new proposal that's also with the Planning Commission. Um, do you mind breaking it down? Nope, I don't. So the idea here, and I will say, if you are interested in these topics, you need to be following along Building Salt Lake. They do great reporting. Yes, yes. Um, yes. So go and check it out. But the, the, what what we're talking about here is um, allowing ADUs on more properties. So outside of, my understanding is that right now, it was approved only for certain residential dwellings in certain areas. This would mm-hmm. e- expand that by quite a bit. And it would mm-hmm. also allow ADUs on properties where there isn't residential buildings. So that could be yeah. like... Um, you know, like your mechanic maybe has right. a, a extra room and a lot behind, um, or the person who does your nails, whatever. Um, right. So thinking about where if housing may be able to to pop in in places that are underutilized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like for example, I've been thinking about you know Mrs. Backers on South Temple, the like giant pink cake shop that looks like a kind of like a cake like I've it's never been in I gotta go in yeah. okay so but from the outside you can see that like in the back there is basically an ADU it's currently being used as like a hair salon but if that ever changed this new proposal as I understand it would mean that a place like that which is technically on like a business property that could be housing someone could live there yeah that's right well and I think this is where kind of getting back to my joke but it really is coming on What this is going to be like in the conversations that we're going to have in our city, I think the thing that's so frustrating is that, you know, change around this issue is hard. And when people are thinking Mm -hmm. about, you know, the I I actually would describe it in some cases as kind of grief that they have about the way the city is changing as quickly as it's changing. But Mm -hmm. I also think that we have to really align our values when we talk Mm -hmm. about things like affordable housing or, you know, generally kind of finding um, ourselves, uh, this city kind of, you know, leans left, right? Like, so Mm -hmm. if we think about, you know, supporting democratic policies, if we think about things like immigration, and all of these issues that are kind of tied together, we need to have more housing. And what that's going to look like was going to be a fight, but it doesn't have to be. We can be thinking about this in very proactive ways that are inclusive, that are equity-based, that are driven by um, a desire to live our values. And like I said, I think this is going to be a tough fight, but Mm -hmm. I am in support of infill. I'm in support of expanding, you know, ADUs. I am Mm -hmm. in support of thinking about this as a citywide 
approach Mm -hmm. and not just putting it in certain communities and continuing to displace the same people that have been displaced over and over again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of the things with the ADUs that I think I'm, one of my biggest questions I'm left with is like, how do we make sure that every single one of them doesn't become an Airbnb? Because I understand like the desire, but I think that there should be incentives for people that are willing to rent those spaces locally. Yeah, that's right. And that can be ordin- that can be worked into policy um, mm-hmm. at your min- at the municipal level. Yeah, yeah. Okay. The last sort of development related news that we got a bit of an update on this week is related to the community murals at the Fleet Block, which is what is that address exactly? That's sixth, so third west, south, and third west. I think eighth. It starts at eighth south and goes down. Is that right? Yeah, you would think that given we live on a grid system, I would be better oriented to name streets, but here I am. Um, So we've known for a while that this block where these murals are housed, which if you're not familiar with them, you've definitely driven past them. They're large pink murals depicting the faces of Salt Lakers and um, and some folks across the country and George Floyd. Who was the first one? Yeah, have been yeah killed um, in police shootings or as a result of police violence. And they've become a really important community space. They're like a gathering space. They're a healing space. They are a place of remembrance and, and, and the important reminder of the violence that happens in our community. But we have been told for a while now that those murals in that building that they're on are coming down. And we got a bit of an update this week in the Salt Lake Tribune that the mayor's office is, you know, meeting with families. They're trying to build a community conversation around this. Um, But they're, they are going to be coming down. And one of the reasons for that we should say is like the building itself is not in okay shape. There's asbestos. The building itself needs to come down, but make no mistake, like that block will be developed into something. Yeah. So I, you know, I don't know if it's this far in the process yet, but I think it would be really interesting to think about what racially just housing would look like. Mm -hmm. And, you know, could that be a space where we're thinking differently about, um, Mm -hmm. about the work that goes into planning? It's a big area, um, a big Mm -hmm. area like that. What would it mean to carry forward um, what that space has represented to people and, and the, you know, not just the remembering, but also like tied into (laughs) rooted in um, a a desire to see racial justice in this, in this country, in the city, in the state, Um, what that would look like is a conversation I'm interested in. um, Mm -hmm. But in terms of, you know, is there a way to think about relocating or incorporating these murals into a space in our community where that we can continue to have gathering, where we can continue to honor um, and remember those who were killed. I think that would be, I think it's important um, how that gets executed is, Mm -hmm. is difficult. Um, Yeah. 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 But I hope that we see, I kind of want it in the peace garden. I I like the idea of trying to connect to those ideas, but yeah. And Ashley Cleveland, who's the deputy mayor overseeing community outreach had, you know, was quoted in the Salt Lake Tribune saying like, you know, when we talk about moving these murals to another space, like it's also important to remember that like no one wants to see this mural of a slain relative on the side of a gentrified building or on the side of a new restaurant. Like that is also, we have to match in tone where these murals are moved to. And so finding that space is tough, but I'm hoping, hoping that they can 
that they can find a way to relocate them because that does feel like the closest thing to a healing solution. Are you still doing the call-in line? We are, yeah. I want to hear people's ideas. Call in. Yeah, people can call in. Where should where could they go or yeah or what would you like to see? And yeah, yeah, you can call us, text us. Eight zero one two zero three zero one three seven is the number. We take texts, we take calls. Um, yeah, let us know what you think. How are you yeah. feeling about this? It's a tough one. Yeah, it is. I'm proud that our city has that, and I I like that area is. Um, I mean, I, I just know so many family members have gone to mourn there. People gather there for all sorts of reasons. And I hope we're able to think of a, a solution that, that honors their lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, it's been quite a week here. We made it, though. Yeah. What are you looking forward to this weekend? Oh, man. Projects, doing things. You know, I'm loving this weather. Yeah. How about you? Oh, same. Loving this weather. Going to get out in it. I, of course, will be at the Living Traditions Festival for basically all three days. I recommend that it's free entry. I recommend that everyone find time to get down there. Um, Even if you're like, even if it's Friday and you and your colleagues want to take your lunch break and go eat in the Living Traditions food court, there could be no better possible option for you for lunch on a Friday. Yeah, yeah, perfect move. Yeah. Um, so I can't stop signing up for races. So I will be up in Ogden running the half marathon. It's my first <gasps> time running the Ogden half. Um, mm. But I hear it's gorgeous. So if I survive, I'll report back. Oh, okay. <laughs> Don't trip. It's the yeah, rocks no, that get you. It is the rocks. <laughs> it's the rocks and the uneven sidewalks. We got to address it all. All right, Shireen, thank you so much for your time today. It was great to end the week with you. Yeah, good to be with you. Happy weekend. Hey, and thanks for tuning in and listening, people. Yeah, that's right. One more thing before we go. This week, the Salt Lake Tribune published a letter from a Rose Park educator titled, Utah workers like me are being driven away by unaffordable housing and insufficient wages. In it, she wrote that after years of trying to make it work in Salt Lake, she is leaving for another city. The letter was short, just three paragraphs. So I called up the author, Elizabeth Totterer, to get some more details. Elizabeth, hi. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Okay, before we talk about um, the breakup, I want to talk about your Salt Lake love story. How did you come to to live here? What's your Salt Lake meet cute? (laughs) So I've been in Salt Lake City proper for 15 years. Mm -hmm. All of my college, um, when I did go travel and visit my family abroad, I always ended up back here. Mm. I have family all over the country. I have always ended up back here. The city was, I think, and still is in a lot of ways, a really great bastion for counterculture and um, larger city motion, mm-hmm. um, given its isolation. It's the largest city for like 500 miles in any direction. Right. Um, yeah, and so it's always been a treat to see who does come to Salt Lake City. Mm. Um, and for a long time there, it felt like that was the norm for people who didn't quite fit the the dominant culture yeah. to end up in Salt Lake City. Yeah. So the community was always something that I felt really fortunate to consider family at this point. Yeah. One of the things I noticed in this letter that you wrote was that you described sort of your state in Salt Lake as attempting to flourish. 
exactly how are you making it work here? Like how many, how many jobs, how many gigs are we talking about? Um, throughout the school year, it's minimum four. Hmm. So I work at a lovely local restaurant that I've worked at since I left my master's program. Okay. I work doing bicycle tours, historic bicycle tours. Okay. Um, I love talking about the history of Salt Lake City. This is like a big passion of mine. Yeah. And then I have my two different schools that I work at. One is a school district-based adult language learning center, and one is a community-based multi-generational educational center for K through six and adult education, early preschool. Are you working for jobs because of how invested you are in this work? Or are you working for jobs because you have to in order to afford to live here? What's the balance? Well, yeah, when we saw, when we talked about attempting to flourish, I have been trying to buy a house for the last few years. And this has been um, an interesting experience for me because I had to work full time to pay for school. I wasn't living at home at the time. Um, I am an older of a lot of siblings. Mm-hmm and have a lot of sort of family responsibilities um, to younger siblings and to like that nuclear family unit that wasn't really helping or supporting or paying into financially, you know, my pursuits. So I was able to save up a modest down payment um, and work with a nonprofit lending agency, NeighborWorks, who provide financing for kind of people like me, you know, first time home buyers, first generation Americans, Mm -hmm. firefighters, teachers, and I was set to close on a house right the same month the pandemic hit. Mm-hmm. And then I couldn't pull the trigger because I had no idea what was going to happen to all of my part-time yeah. work, yeah. like all of my part-time jobs. Um, I'm curious, yeah. your decision to leave Salt Lake, when I read your letter in the Tribune, my perception was fully that this was about the fact that you personally felt like you just couldn't make it here anymore. Like it just, it, it wasn't working. Like, um, but talking to you more about this, it seems like maybe it's a combination of that and also the frustration and anger of watching everyone else not be able to make it here, especially people that are most vulnerable in our community or the most targeted. Does that seem right? Yeah, and this is actually really hard for me to to face because there's a lot of despair. I'm leaving, you know, having to feeling like I have to give up on the hope that I have for this community that I really love that I've been really invested in because I don't see it improving. I don't see it getting better. Hmm. I don't see structurally um on a municipal level, I don't see structurally on a state level how the losses can be mitigated and how like the losses we've already suffered can be mitigated, but also how we can get some sort of equilibrium in housing in the future. Mm -hmm. There are, there are state laws expressly uh, forbidding things like rent control. Mm -hmm. So we have a market that is intentionally created for the profit of an industry around housing mm-hmm. when we are simultaneously being faced with like the constant um like especially over the last few years like the constant need for more housing so we can bring costs down mm-hmm. i don't see the despair that i feel is that i don't see 
any motivation for leadership to do any different than they have been doing with their real estate policy, which is profit. They're, I mean, profiting. Mm -hmm. Often when anyone decides to leave a situation or that something's not working, you know, it's never like right on time. (laughs) Like you never look back on a breakup or a departure and are like, yeah, I left at just the right moment. Like things usually get pretty bad before you make the decision to walk away from something that you're invested in. And I'm curious for you, when was the moment that you were like, I got to leave this city. This isn't working. This is how bad I let it get. You know, this is how committed I am to, you know, situations that are not good for me. (laughs) If we're using that relationship. (laughs) Um, I have moved six times in the last three years. Mm. Three of those moves were instigated by landlords selling the house that I was living in and giving me 30 days notice. Mm. Right. And it just kept happening this way where... You know, I moved into one situation, which was, you know, out of sort of desperation. I had a few weeks in the middle of the school year mm-hmm. to make it happen. After after six moves, I got tired of like very, being very nomadic and not having a stable place. Mm-hmm. And everything that I was seeing that could be stable was so much more than I know, like the value of the place is. Mm-hmm. You know, having lived here for a really long time, I can understand that we've had cheap rent before. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, like it's not been comparable to a lot of other markets. Mm -hmm. But what's frustrating to me is to see the rate of growth and to understand that there can be protections, that there can be ways for thoughtful leadership to allow markets to reflect the communities that exist there. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I think one of the reasons that your letter resonated with so many people in general, and especially young people in Salt Lake, is that your story is so in line with the sort of, I mean, you did everything that we're told to do in order to be able to afford to put down roots and and be successful and have, you know, and flourish to your, to use your, your word flourish. You know, I graduated from high school. I worked to put myself through college. I got a degree. I went into, you know, said field I'm working, I'm showing up. I'm, I'm finding ways to save the payment. Like it's just to be in a place at the end of that, where you're seeking temporary housing twice a year is so, it must be so disillusioning. And I think like, myself and many people in this city also live with just the fear that your landlord could call at any moment and say, you know, we're going to sell or we don't want to resign or rent's doubling. And if you can't afford to pay that, well, I've got people who will. So, um, yeah, I think it just, uh, it really lays bare where we're at. I can pay $1,100 for a room in a city that has a lot more to offer. Hmm. I can pay $1,100 a room uh, to have access to like good, consistent public transit to a variety of uh, restaurant options, um, nightlife options that aren't just bars. So in my mind, if I'm going to if I'm going to be paying big city prices, I want to live in a big city. Hmm. Salt Lake is Salt Lake is a good city and I love Salt Lake, but it is not a big city. Hmm. 
Elizabeth, thank you so much for chatting with me. I wish you, I wish you the best. I appreciate the invitation. Um, it's a, it's a little healing balm for my wounded heart. Oh. <sighs> yeah, I think we all need a little more healing right now. Uh huh. That's all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. Our lead producer is Nick Steffens, and our producer is Diane Majapinto. Our newsletter editor is Madeline McGill, and our host is me, Ali Vallarta. Music is by the fantastic local band, Mitochondria. We'll be back Monday morning with more news from around this city. Bye. Bye.